The following episode of the Carnival of Randomness is sponsored by an important message to you, the people from Upsetnik and Associates. Every day there are forces that are taking from you, stealing from you. Your money, your time, your freedom. Immense faceless corporations, banks, credit card companies, insurance providers, government agencies, this list goes on and on. When you are under attack and facing crisis, turn to us, Upsitnik and Associates, attorneys for you, the people. When every day becomes a battle, we can advise and assist. We have been advocates for 40 years. Email us through UpsitniksLaw.com or call us at 1-866-391-3299 or reach out to us through Upsitnik and Associates on Facebook for a prompt, no obligation, communication and consultation. Don't be pushed around. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another sort of carnival of randomness. And I'm Comrade Rob, and there's Comrade Zach. Mazel tov. Did you know for a fact that if you see the modern Italian flag, Napoleon invented it, the tricolor, it's like the blue, black, and rouge, but this is green because I guess Napoleon's favorite color is green, and this is no freaking bearing on what we're doing today. But I think the idea is how things last because the works of William Shakespeare (laughs) span through the centuries. So I tie that together. (laughs) I don't understand really how you managed to do that, but every but time we have it once again right one of our around. best friends, one of our friends of the carnival, Mario. Mario. And hello, hey, hey everybody, <laughs> hey guys. And coming up this week is the next big production from DVC. It is this uh, Thursday. Yes, Thursday. This will be out on Monday. This will be so airing tomorrow. <laughs> right. So running Thursday through Saturday, December fifth through seventh. Ruslana and Jelena. Oh, oh yeah, well, I right announce that. <laughs> so I guess I'm directing a show called uh, Ruslana and Yelena, A Modern Day Russian Revolution. Um, and uh, it is a, uh, it's a, it's, uh, a manipulation of, uh, a, a transformation of, uh, or a compilation of Shakespeare's uh, Romeo and Juliet, uh, presented in a way that's um, hopefully... Uh, uh, innovative and interesting. Um, so the the idea was uh, initially. Um, all right, so I'm an English teacher, and I have a, a fondness for Shakespeare. And I, a couple of years ago, I decided uh, that I was going to try to do this trilogy thing, where every year I we tackle a Shakespeare show in a, in an interesting new way. And so, in 2017, it was Titus Andronicus, which is a show a lot of people had been wanting to see because it's one of his earlier works and bizarre. I had to hand it to Pat. Ah, because your hand well, gets I cut took off. Well, I took my friend Heather to it, and I just remember telling her, have you ever seen, heard of Titus before? Uh, you're in for something a tad. Yeah, you're in for <laughs> a little bit. It's interesting. Uh, three hands actually get cut off in the course of uh, of Titus, but before intermission. So, um, And then last year, uh, I was able to uh, collaborate with some people with uh, screenplays uh, who was doing a version of Hamlet. Um, and uh, although that wasn't technically DBC, a uh, large portion of the cast and crew was DVC affiliated, and then we—I just had been had this in my mind for quite a long time, and uh, so it just seemed like the time was right to do it. Um, I actually had it kind of germinating around for many, many years. Uh, this idea of uh, a a a Romeo, a, a Russian—the Russian aspect, I think, came in. Probably about ten years ago, but even before that, I was talking to some of my students when DVC was a club still at Wilson High School before it became a community theater group, and a couple of girls were talking to me about this idea of doing a a, a 
a gay Romeo and Juliet and the idea of having the characters be two men or two women. And obviously this has been done in some form or another before, uh, for sure. Um, but the idea of modernizing it and placing it in a uh, location that is um, certainly uh, getting some uh, press for its anti-humanitarian and anti-gay legislation and uh, and um, just made an interesting thing to explore. Okay, what happens if we're exploring this forbidden relationship between these two families as a result of something more than just this long, uh, you know, forgotten feud that they talk about in the show from time and to time. DVC stands for Dream Visualize and Create. Just to, yeah. And I didn't even remember that, but it's on the little flyer. <laughs> so you can know that way. Yeah, Dream Visualize Create. Uh, and that's... Uh, I actually, so DVC did stand for something else many years ago, but then when I changed it over, I, I had to keep the same letters because kids were, like, getting it tattooed on them and stuff. And that would be really <laughs> wrong. Uh, dude, uh, I'm sorry you tattooed that because <laughs> yeah, we By should, the way. Actually, that's probably one reason I will not do, like, message boards or, like, groups on Facebook because there was, like, a, there was an anti-gay discrimination group, and I actually wrote something about, if you think how things are here, we have there's like over 84 countries in the world where homosexuality is a crime. It's punished by death. Somebody called me a judgmental jerk judging the countries. <laughs> well, <laughs> how dare you? I just sat back and go, what the hell? <laughs> there's certainly, I guess, an, an understanding that, you know, people in the world uh, have their own cultures and ideas and lifestyles. But when you violate people's human rights... I think you lose the opportunity to kind of. So get I the, just gave up. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? You kind of, <laughs> you kind of lose that battle when you're, um, uh, when the decisions you're making are, uh, are, are affecting people's lives in, in, in terrible ways. Plus, you got the other person who said, "I think you're wrong, sir." And he's going on about how bad homosexuality is. I'm going, look, I'm going to talk to people I know are intelligent. Yeah. It, it's better you know, to waste, waste what precious little time on this blue marble we have talking to people that you actually yeah. care about. Yeah, you just can't. Unfortunately, there's some people that are not going to. And we've uh, actually had lately, we've talked a lot about the Pride Parade in Rochester's community. Mm -hmm. And we're really talking about the idea of to be able to be who you are. Mm -hmm. And what the hell's wrong with that? That's that's a concept. Yeah, yeah, God forbid. And I was telling this story about years ago. I was at Bop Fest back in Village Gate when we had in the Pride Parade went by, and I saw these two guys dressed as Tinkerbell. And I'm just looking at them. They're going around anointing everybody. They couldn't help me. They tried. Yeah. But I just said, these guys are having fun. What the hell's wrong with it? Well, that's what it is. Like, why are people – that's my – the problem I've had is why are people so concerned about things that don't affect their lives? Yes, and why do they have the strange perception that somehow those other people's – uh, choices and lifestyles and ideas do affect their lives. I don't. Maybe it's this feeling like we have to be in everybody else's business. Somehow. I've always. I, I mean, there is that. I think there's also the judgmentalism if you're brought up to follow the script of life and there's that like square peg. And I remember I was one of my comments I used to make years ago was uh, two women holding hands, two men holding hands. I don't think they're going to make the economy crash, start no. a war, uh, bring down society. Cesar Romero <laughs> didn't crush the economy back in the sixties. <laughs> As it turns out, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I do think, I guess when we're getting on this topic about talking about people who 
there's no talking to some people or you can't change people's minds. I uh, Certainly that does exist to some degree, but clearly I have to believe that art can in some way uh, change people's perceptions of things. I've seen it happen. I've seen people that I know that told me that they were opposed to gay marriage and, and couldn't really explain why, but just felt that way. And then I'd talk to them a year or two later and they'd say, oh, I've changed my mind on that. And I'd say, it's because you met people or came to some understanding or no, it was because their favorite characters in a TV show ended up getting married. Well, you know, whatever the reason. Had, I've had people who've had those kind of views and they've changed over the years basically because one of my friends who used to be like that, he worked in the medical field and he met a lot of people of that persuasion there and he said, they're the nicest people I met. And it's like, it's like oh, you don't, which you don't understand, you fear. The thing. Well, anybody that we don't know, I mean, obviously we have this problem throughout our country. Oh, the world, really, in many no. ways, because it's very easy to look and judge people that you feel like you don't, uh, that that aren't a part of your small world, or that you feel like you. And don't I could know. say just from my own trip, I was in the USSR in 1990, and the people there were very gracious, very nice. Did anybody else hear helicopters <laughs> coming for you? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, yes, okay, it was Boris and Natasha because the KGB followed us around. And it was too funny because it literally we're looking at these guys or trench coats following us around the hotel. <laughs> That's a little bit unnerving. But, I no, I definitely don't. I mean, this setting of the play is timely and relevant. But uh, it says right in our production notes that it's not supposed to be some indictment or, like, you know, some some – a uh, uh, real expose of like you know Russia is bad because of this. I mean, the reality is that we can look at societies and go, oh, we don't do that. But how far back do you have to go in our own history? When we were doing that, right? Yeah. Exactly, not very far. There's a lot involved in that, right? And there's a lot of other things because when you get involved in people's religion, and Russia's yeah. very religious now, which is interesting, because um, when they were the evil, they, godless they had communists, it when they were. Right. I was saying, isn't that weird? Yeah, and, and yet they're so much, uh, yeah, they're so much nicer now yeah. that they're all. Uh, I had them because I there was perestroika when I was there, so I got a picture in front of Saint Isaac's, and they were opening it up there. So they was opening it up more than they had. They were doing stuff like that, but it was so godless, you know, before you know everything. Yeah, I <sighs> oppressing people in the name of your religion is always an interesting. That but thing, the thing is, Shakespeare again. Than, you go back to the Soviet Union. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You, you go back to Shakespeare, and I'll go back. I. Sp- Speak a lot about somebody will say I've never read Shakespeare, and I say, "Well, did you watch all those nineteen nineties like teen movies? Mm-hmm. You saw Shakespeare because yeah. a lot of those were just plots from Shakespeare. Shakespeare has been with us. I think he died was uh, sixteen eighteen. It's around there from sixteen sixteen, I believe. But damn, fact check that. <laughs> Pretty damn good. Well, that, still, which, yeah, which 16, Shakespeare? Because he yeah, died. Right. At, he died at fifty two. Did he? Or okay. did he? Plus, I mean, He's Francis a movie Bacon. Usher in Plus, Nashville. anyways, <laughs> Francis Bacon wrote all his stuff, anyways, as we know. Right. So it's all but the time. But I think what he did was he took simple concepts and he used them to tell so much more. I mean, Hamlet's just about. But what is it about? Like this everything. Is, yes, yeah. I keep leaning into this. Have you known? It's Hamlet, all right for dramatic. But like MJ, I told her when she played Hamlet, I said, "Okay, now your character." Is he insane or is he a sane man playing insane? And she's like, ah, I'm not telling you. It's like, screw you. Well, because that's open to the actor and the interpretation. Yeah. 
No, she did a really good job. Yeah, though, but yeah, again, you know, because it made you think about. This, so you might want to throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I saved. I brought it back from. I don't from mean the this to you either. I love you. You know that. But uh, but I remember watching it, going, okay, is this person just trying to play insane to try to get to the truth, or are they insane? Or <laughs> well, and that's the beauty of it. Of not just Shakespearean plays, but plays in general. It's like the playwright writes it with something in mind, and then they probably have to sit back and go, I like how many people are taking a different. Well, then there's the, the famous Monty Python skit where they get the guy. The, where they got the home for overacting and they got all these pirates oh, and they got all the Shakespeare fantastic. guys. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. But how do you adopt this then? You just grab okay. it and I said, you said this was, honestly, you said this was not your favorite play. I'm, I'm happy to mention that. So uh, with a piece like Hamlet last year where we had to cut the play down about two and a half hours, it was rough because you see all these lines that are so, have such like, you're like, oh, I'm really into this line. It sounds great or the imagery is amazing or it's vital to the plot. And with Romeo and Juliet, I really feel like uh, I've, I'm very familiar with it. Obviously, I've, I've seen it staged quite a few times. I've taught it. Uh, back in my earlier days of teaching, when I had ninth grade classes, I, I taught it a pretty good amount. And um, so I, I don't want to say that I don't like it. I, I think that the key here is that Shakespeare's themes um, clearly hold up, right? 420 years later, uh, there's this idea that um, these these ideas that he expressed, and I mean... Look, he stole these story ideas too, right? I mean, read they just Ovid. passes yeah, on, right? I've, I've said this yeah. many times. Read *Metamorphosis* by I read *Metamorphosis* by Ovid and go, I knew else read this. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, he didn't invent anything. It's just he put a good and he put these a were different people. Spin on it. Oh, right. we're, we're snobby. Times. We're snobby about Shakespeare. These are for the, your common people. They were coming yeah. to plays. All they right. really were, and people came and you know, if they understood what was being said, then they did. Or and if they didn't, they just followed along and they thought it was funny when there was a, a joke or somebody got you know bit by a dog or there was a Sort or they drank a lot of mead and freaking anything would have been funny. There's, that's another story. There's a reason no. why every couple scenes some character summarizes everything that just happened in extreme <laughs> detail. So that's the what? kind of stuff that I was able to to get rid of. Um, in the beginning of the play, it does say these two hours traffic of the stage. And if you've seen an unedited Romeo and Juliet, that's a total lie. The play is over three hours long. I've seen a three-hour, 15-minute one. Um, and so it just got pretty extensive. And I have to say that we were very liberal in our cuts. Um, and even during the process, we'd say, are these three lines really important to what we're doing right now? And it's not a judgment on the writing or whether a certain scene is impactful or not. It's about the idea of how does it serve our story? We have a particular story we're telling with this piece, just like we did with Titus. So some things were not necessarily relevant. And do you ever get the anal retentive person like me, though, like when you do a music one or something, and I'm, wait a second, that lyric was wrong, or some some really pedantic person going, well, you you took out this part. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to people well, afterwards you know what's gonna happen. throwing tomatoes. I there are a couple of pretty significant alterations uh, in the play, and uh, uh, also we we some language a little bit for flavor purposes. We in, we put in a couple of uh, Russian common Russian terms. Um, and uh, the names are Russian, and I mean that's you know don't think too deeply about that because then you're like, aren't they always speaking Russian? Why would they say a Russian because word? Because maybe well we can't understand you if this is in Russian. Maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe the Russian words are the only words we do understand. Yes, and the other one, like I'll say, I'll go back to one of my favorites of years ago was Measure for Measure, where they did it like as a speakeasy, uh-huh. and they did all that, and that and was James really cool. And I thought too. that was really fun the way they did it. They actually had people dancing like the beginning and it was done in that period i believe Judy you know, Moller was, directed that yes i can't i, I remember yep. aaron was in it and yep. mj and everyone yep. but i also remember like i think Props. there was a, a macbeth with 
Syrian McCallan, which is like World War Two, World War One, mm-hmm. and I think the latest one, uh, Coriolanus with uh, Ray Fiennes, that was in a different era too. Yeah, there's there's plenty of versions. Obviously, there's a different Hamlet every every uh, you know. Every I three guess. hours. The <laughs> Ethan Hawke <laughs> one with Bill Murray's oh, I'm a pretty big fan of the David Tennant 2009 one that they did. That's oh, I pretty thought interesting. that was really good. Um, but you know, it's really interesting to see. You can watch four different Hamlets and see uh, the character. I mean, the show, too, obviously, but the character itself be significantly different in different parts, and that's important. So and I think that's the beauty of it, too, is that any actor, it's got to be great because you can you don't have this tight, rigid you know, thing dictated where you have to play it this way. You can just do your interpretation. Do <laughs> Right. I mean, Shakespeare only gives us uh, – the stage direction consists of they fight – he dies, exit. Like, that's the kind of stuff you get. So for as from a director standpoint, it's both, like, this freeing, amazing experience and also a little bit of a nightmare. Because if you don't know what to do with it, you don't get any help. And I would also think for the story of Romeo and Juliet, it's almost as like the, the individual versus the society because you have the two people seeking happiness with all these forces pushing against them, their family, the society... You know, in the old days, because the houses were different, they hated each other. It was like the early Hatfields and McCoys. I was going to say, that's basically what it, it was the predecessor to the Hatfields and McCoys. See, the if they didn't read that play, they wouldn't have feuded. That's Didn't it stop from somebody accurate. killing a chicken or something? In my show, I can say what I want. Okay. <laughs> Your show too, right? Eh. Okay. Uh, sometimes I'm along for the ride. But... I, I understand. But no, they don't. No, the idea of two people... Uh, in Shakespeare's time, their character's younger than our characters in the play right now um, because, you know, Juliet was not quite 13, but that's, you know, 400 years ago. It was so 400 years ago, so that's okay. Now. It's okay. Uh, so, um, it was a different time back then. So that's, a little, that's, that's changed a little bit. Uh, she's... Uh, of age. Uh, she's, right, well, you know, Russia, 16. Although, you, if to get married without your parents' consent, uh, you need to be 18, I guess. But so, so any... Uh, not I guess. I looked it up. I just don't want to seem too much like I'm throwing like, Wikipedia I don't want to seem facts to like at you. I know what the hell I'm well, talking that's like, about. One of the things about our podcast is like we will make mistakes. Oh, and I everything. make mistakes. All and the, the things we always say because we tried to just not be regurgitate Wikipedia, but that's very good of you. Hey, yeah. Well, no, it was worth exploring because when we had to sit down and figure out how old is she going to be, there were two factors. One, how many syllables was in the word because the iambic pentameter is kept intact through 99% of the show. So if you're into that kind of thing, this is the thing. So we decided we're using the old school Shakespearean language, and although a lot of it is cut, it still has the meter. It still has all, all of those the, the elements of language that we that you know Shakespeare nerdy people like. But at the same time, it's also modernized and and setting and costuming and staging the very strong intent toward making the conversation the the, the words very conversational, very casual. Um, so that way we can sort of alienate everyone, uh, the people that love uh, the <laughs> traditional Shakespeare and people that are like, can you make these words different? Um, but I think my actors, uh, the actors in this show are doing an amazing job of taking the piece, which granted is not Shakespeare's most complicated piece from a plot standpoint, and finding a way to uh, make it feel very modern and real. And I think that anybody would be able to... Not just because they have an idea of the general plot of Romeo and Juliet, but legitimately understand maybe a lot of the language and moments that they may not necessarily have gotten seeing a more uh, formal, traditional Well, let's, And again, the cast is, again, a bunch of our friends who've yeah. been on the show many times and are very, very talented. But why don't we go through the cast a little bit? Okay, great. I would love to do that. So there's Ruslana and Elena. Oh, and so I feel compelled to do this, too. So I... 
So there's no J in Russia. I just want to throw that out there, right? It says Yelena, and it's a J because R and J. It's Romeo and Juliet, right? We're an English audience seeing this show, yeah. uh, but legitimately, that would be like a Y and yeah. and whatever. Okay, so at least we're past that. All well, right. Patrick told me that too because I told him I had problems. Helicopters. Okay. Um, <laughs> I hear I hear a bear. We're in putting on the Ritz. <laughs> so right, um, but obviously there's concessions for that. When you look in the program, obviously we decided to write things in English, etc. So you have to live with those things. Um, so Ruslana, uh, so our two our two main characters, Ruslana and Yelena. Ruslana is played by uh, Alexis Maxim, and uh, she's been in DVC for for quite in the past three or so. Four DVC shows, um, a great discovery. We actually found her when she auditioned for screenplays Hamlet and played Ophelia in there to MJ's Hamlet. The two of them had some really good chemistry. Um, Alexis, as it turns out, knows so much about theater and is in fact our set designer. As in fact, hauling over really heavy objects right now and starting <laughs> oh, to put them I have together. The moment where again, don't try to be pretentious about my literary knowledge because we were at the Mandragora show with MJ. I'm talking to Alexis and I just so oh well. I'll quote something from The Tempest, and she finished... I was in the show. <laughs> yeah. you know, what the hell? <laughs> uh, right. So um, so Alexis is, is great, and is not only taking on that responsibility of playing that character, that iconic character, but also putting... Uh, designing, doing the set design and and in the process of constructing it. Um, And then uh, Gwen Scott or Artemis Scott, depending on she's going as Artemis Gwen P. Scott in the program right now, uh, is playing Elena. And I've known this kid since, I mean, kid, I say she's in her mid-20s, but like I taught her, right? She was part of when DVC started at Wilson Megan High School with the, the, the Wilson High School students wanting to get together and do something in the arts because we had no arts program. We didn't even have a music program at that point. And uh, and so um, she came in pretty early on, and I've known her since she was in 10th grade. And uh, so she's been involved in many, many yeah, yeah. DVC shows. Oh, no, it was actually uh, Bitsman Night Stream with Alexis. Like, even I can't get my plays right. Well, I mean, they're, it's Shakespeare. They're all the kind of the, the, com- the, the comedies are all the same. Right. Uh, so, um, right. And obviously, uh, we have MJ playing uh, the the Mercutio character, Shira. If you're saying that's not the same monosyllables, I know. We had some interesting time putting in lots of <laughs> descriptors to keep that uh, to keep those uh, that going along. Everyone else has the same monosyllables. Um, so that and that's the character. I mean, look, that that Mercutio character is the character that everyone I think attaches to. Romeo's kind of a it, yeah, he really is. And well, let's be sidekicks are always the best, though. Like the guys, they, they always have the like the VD, but they're always the most enjoyable. I think sometimes because they don't have to carry the load and they could be sort of mysterious. Right, they, they, they hide in the background and then all be the con- you know be the person uh, you know everything like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's great. We have some. I mean, with DVC, we always do this idea of blind casting. So we have some interesting ideas. We have or, or, we have some interesting twists. We have Catherine Sanford playing uh, Friar Lawrence Presbyter Boris. Um, as a man, as Boris, and then we have Patrick White playing the nurse character uh, as a male, as the butler. So uh, as Elena's kind of personal uh, valet. So, um, so that's an interesting take. Uh, we very easily could have just had Catherine play the nurse and Patrick play Boris, but this seemed way more interesting. Um, so uh, it's great working with them, and then you know that uh, Miles Harrison, another kid. Uh, we have a big, pretty big U of R connection because a lot of my DVC students go on to to U of R when they graduate uh, from Wilson. So we have a couple of college kids involved in the production as always. Um, 
So Miles plays Benvolio. Uh, we have Joey Chacon, who I've worked with a lot in DVC. He's done a lot of stuff. He's a high-energy presence, playing that Paris Pushkin character. Um, Amy Canfield, uh, Sean Birch, uh, Vince Dalba, um, Summer Satora. Uh, I think I've hit everyone. But if I shout and out I, a name randomly during the rest of this, that's because I forgot See, it's six it. degrees Dave. of randomness, too, because Dave Harrison, his father, comes on the show and does shows here. And he met Patrick. He's like, you know, my son's done stuff. Oh, yeah, that's right. I <laughs> forgot about that little connection. So that's that's cool. But it's amazing these days. So I'm always glad to hear how you know, kids get into Shakespeare still. It's great. I, think I it's- have, Oh, so, yeah, I have a, we actually have someone from my uh, making her stage debut. Shayrana is a student in my uh, uh, 11th grade uh, class. And honestly, she asked about DVC. And I said, yeah, come back when we're working on another next show maybe and we'll figure something out because I just met her this year. And we were reading Hamlet in class and she was doing such a great job of reading it. I was like, uh, something comes up. Do you want to jump in now? And uh, we needed somebody for the character that plays um, Rishlana, Romeo's kind of uh, um, assistant, um, who's Balthazar, who's just basically in the beginning and, and the end of the show, more or less. And uh, she was like, yeah, I'll do it. And that's been great. So that it's key, obviously key to, to DVC, to increasing the family is bringing in people at that age. And that's where I'm meeting the kids in high school. And uh, some of them never go away. And I mean, I mean that in a very good way. It's cool. I, what I enjoy, too, is I mean, going to shows for eons now, is seeing how they progress and where they go and how they stay around and go, wow, I remember that when this is doing this, and now they're back here. And it's like a little community. It's great. Yeah, it's a great group. I've worked with almost all of these people. And before. isn't it cool to hear a lot of what they go on to do, too, sometimes and go, wow. <laughs> Katie Keating playing Tybalt. I'm gonna get the. I'm gonna get. The, I think that's the last one. Uh, so uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So that's interesting. Katie and, and MJ, of course, have the the fight scene. I don't think I'm spoiling anything in Romeo and Juliet to oh, let you no, know that I was gonna go see it. But that, uh, <laughs> well, I didn't say what happens in the fight scene. No, you ruined. <laughs> do you have any like a one ahead, like any dream ones ahead you'd like to still do, like a big one or? Uh, so. I'm sure at some point. So I'm taking a little break from Shakespeare for a while. Um, and, and maybe a break from theater after DVC's 20th anniversary show in July. Because um, I've been at this for quite a while. It's it, it's a little tough to maintain and do the teaching thing full time. But um, I'm going to take a little, little break from Shakespeare for a while. But I'm sure I'll come back to it at Just some point. Just I hope the one trite one I don't want to see because it would be too much cliche would be doing Macbeth in the White House. <laughs> I, I, I don't see myself doing Macbeth. I've taught Macbeth many times. I know it very well. I don't see myself doing it. Believe it or not, um, the idea of doing Antony and Cleopatra has been kicked around uh, quite a bit. I saw a production of it in Stratford probably close to 10 years ago now. And uh, it's rarely performed. I found it to be interesting. Um, it also has that kind of, if you saw the, that TV show Rome that was done with the BBC and yeah. HBO. This yeah, very interesting that second season. I love that. I'm, I go back and watch that again. I'm, well, I'm very interested The problem in it. with the second season was they told them what midway through that they were shit canning and so they just had to Go ape shit for uh, the last, like four or five episodes. I totally agree, but it was fun watching yeah, uh, Mark Antony and Cleopatra be weirdos. Yeah. I like that was very Shakespearean, by the way. Mm. Two ca- two guys that were fictional characters were thrown into an historical setting and kind of stumbled around and somehow were a part of all these major events. It just popped in my head. I, I talked to MJ, I sent MJ a message about this for some weird reason. The climate we're in and everything else. I told her, I know you don't like singing, but would you ever want to do a 
cabaret. And she actually said she'd love to be like the Joel Grey character. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great character to take on. Because I'm thinking these times would almost be like really cool to have one of those. Yeah, there's... There, there are very interesting productions of Cabaret. They've done that's a show that a lot of people have done a lot with different productions of it, revivals of it. The same um, uh, script altered a little bit in in, in um, uh, direction and design. Like that, that's a show where you see a lot of people do some interesting things or take some interesting risks, particularly when it comes to the end of the show. So they haven't taken the big risk of making a happy ending at the end of the show, though, and I think that's <laughs> probably for the best. But that's always cool because you always go outside the box and all the things, and they're always interesting. You could just play it safe and do it, but you never do, and I love that. Uh, yeah, DC, DVC's intent is affordable, uh, relevant, socially conscious, so we need to um, – and, and we kind of go off the idea that if, for every new, brand new thing that we do, because we do a lot of original productions, um, we also like to go back and reinvent something that has also – that has already existed. Kind and hopefully like- – Kind of like this. Kind of like this, yeah. Hopefully you come and see this and go, that's a a Romeo and Juliet. Look, no one, and once you get to a certain certain age and experience in life, there's no one that needs to see another standard version of Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) So it's about time to, I think, um, recognize that the show is still relevant and its themes are still meaningful, but um, we can put them in a format that is going to be somewhat original and more relevant to a, a modern society to today's society and that like what rob said especially with romeo and juliet you know coming from the shakespearean era up to the 90s with all the the teen angst movies you know they took it and reimagined it with angsty kids you right. know in the modern day and people are like oh this is great 10 things i hate about you came into the shrew exactly uh, so you know. many shakespearean ideas perforated those movies in the 80s 90s and 2000s Yes, that's the thing. And the other thing is I'll mention off the topic a little bit, but I think are you having another anniversary of one of your music ones next year? Is that the... So, right, that's July. Uh, we're running. We have two weekends. Woo. You don't have to tear the set down 24 hours after it's finally up. <laughs> okay, 72 hours. Usually you put you make sure you look at it like the day before you open. You're like, it's perfect. And then you take it all down three days later. Uh, we have a two-weekend run of, of a show called More Than This um, that we find pretty... Uh, that I've... We first staged it in 2013. Um, I had a conversation with, a, again, a couple of high school students, my student, Jessely Ann, who was like, I want to – we talked about the music of Vanessa Carlton and how, like, I was like, I can make a story out of this. And she said, really? You're going to do that? And I said, you know what? If Vanessa Carlton writes you a letter and tells you you can use her music, we're doing a play. And I remember she came she, – that was on a Friday. She came back to me on Monday and said, all nervous. And she was like – I think I got an email from Vanessa Did she Carlton. say something about it? Like, and, I, there... and I went and I, I looked. I, we went into her email and I'm like, yep, that's uh, that's her management. And they just got back to you and said she would uh, be honored or whatever. <laughs> so um, so we did it. And uh, it was the biggest production. It's maybe still nah, at Swim 2 Boys would take the title now. But it's one of the largest productions we've ever done. And it was our first one with all live music for all of the numbers with a band. So that was a big deal for us. Um, and it just made sense for the 20th anniversary of DBC to cool. return to something that has a lot has a lot of, of meaning for us as far as a leap forward that we took. And um, that second weekend is going to be our 20th anniversary reunion weekend. Hey. So we've got some things that's, planned. I don't probably won't be that's sleeping. One for three thing days. I want to 
it's the summer. It'll be nicer. Yeah, that's the right. one of the <laughs> things bit. I'd love to actually have Alexis on, have some people on, because actually one thing I used to do in college a little, and I'm fascinated by is set building. And I remember going to the Bolshoi again in Russia to tie it in, and just one of the things for me was like watching. It was actually the op. They had an opera there, and. I was looking more at the sets because I just think sets are cool. And this whole idea of you have to get the whole get them on, off, build them, take them down, I mm. think is, yeah, we'll make it interesting. <laughs> you know, if we have a show on it. <laughs> oh, we could definitely make that interesting because it is yeah, interesting. For sure. You know, and all, and all the, like, some of the stories about like the cow falling off the stage or something mm-hmm. or, you know, something else. But I think it's really cool because that was my contribution because we did, uh, uh, Twelfth night one time, and I was involved with that part, just with the sets and everything. Mm-hmm. So that was, and I just really kind of like it. I think it's really kind of neat. Neat, the mm-hmm. word. <laughs> yeah, it's neat's always a, an interesting. Yeah, interesting's the other. Not one. when you have to haul it and everything and take it down and put it up. Maybe that's not so neat. But no, that's, no this, yeah. yeah. So this this production is 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 fast paced, which I think is. You know, another interesting thing, um, music, although we don't have live music in this, we've definitely incorporated some montage elements and some interesting things. The 80s Uh, montage. Right? You can hear people talking uh, to each other in long speeches for uh, 10 minutes, or you can put it all into a wordless three-minute musical montage. Um, That's better. So, right. I mean, especially since the other version is the one that you see all the time, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if it was... If Shakespeare was all about musical montage, I'd probably be like, hey, let's turn this into some language. But it's mm. interesting to to kind of uh, to do that. So, And it's been a real pleasure, um, Putin, on this play. Yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> about czar-cross lovers. There you go. See the star. And so you should be Russian to go see it. Yes, and tell us and everything. Speak. And again, I will say, <laughs> I, I, I love Muck. Muck's like a little yeah. home to me. I've been it's going there for years. Too much. It's a nice place to park. It's a nice theater and everything. But speak, uh, it's on from the 5th to the 7th. Right. It's so uh, December 5th, that's Thursday at 7.30. Uh, Friday, December 6th, 7.30. And then we double dose, uh, overdose on Saturday. Uh, we have a 2 o'clock matinee and then a 7.30 on Saturday, December 7th. Uh, those that's your last chance to catch it. So um. you're going to go come down. The thing about me, I'm glad I get the times because the last thing I went down to, I should have looked. It was at seven. I thought it was at eight. That would have been good to walk in on. <laughs> it's it's very important to DVC that our tickets are, uh, you know, as I said, affordable to the world. So right now, go to the website. Um, the pre-sale tickets are less money than you're going to pay at the door. And um, I say this a lot parking? about things is ample parking. Ample parking. Yeah, I mean, there are shows you can go to, like Hamilton, for example, which will cost your car, but then you can see really, really quality things that will not break your bank. I know. <laughs> Do we talk about money here, or is that like a? Well, you know, the radio some, show. You know, it's okay. the student ticket prices. Yeah. I just DVC's thing is no matter what show we do, whenever we do it, no matter where we do it, online or at the door. If you're a student of anything anywhere, it's five dollars. So I mean, I'm a student of history. Does that count? I, <laughs> I yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> we don't. We don't, we don't Never been asked that one. Before, we don't check you? IDs, but we check yours. Uh, just to make sure you're... Um, it's all like my dad, the one time we're going golfing, and I'm like a teenager, and he tries to get senior things, and the person up there goes, he looks pretty young. That's <laughs> <laughs> my dad. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I mean, it's it's always, uh, you know, it's, we're talking, you know, single-digit ticket prices if you buy them ahead of time. Basically about what you would spend on a coffee at Starbucks, For, if not less. Yeah, so, so don't buy that. And, I mean, there's like, you know, the caramel ones have like 700 calories or something in them anyway. Not so. picking on... Yeah. Starbucks, but 
Their coffee is and delicious, again, the but D- it is expensive. And just so you know, again, Mario's very good sport. He's he's part of our D and D team, so he does. Oh, it. Oh, I, I didn't realize we were going there today. No, we're not. Okay. I'm just going to mention it. No, that's no, it's a, okay. Brief mention. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, so I died. That's weird. A theater person involved in a role playing. Yeah, uh, who the hell knew that would have been a thing? Amazing. So though. weird. Oh. But one day maybe we'll do a Shakespearean one. I don't know what I'll play, but maybe we'll do one. Like, so, do you know how hard it is to die in fifth edition D and D? Yes, apparently. <laughs> That's why I titled the episode of Death in Fifth Edition. <laughs> so I texted a friend of mine. Oh, Christ. Right, right. I think we were still playing or we were during the break. And I was like, somebody died in Fifth Edition. He wrote back, died, died? And yeah. I said, yeah. And he said, what'd they do, split the party? And I went, yup. <laughs> well, I, I, when we took that break, I went outside and I called a friend of mine. And she just started laughing. So I can't wait. Because her son is a big D&D player. I he can't was say enough, like being a me. fan of DVC and everything in live theater all these years. This is always really quality. You'll really enjoy yourself. So come on out and see it. Get your asses to the play. Yeah, please. That we, we greatly appreciate it. You know, DVC is about a community, our, our community, and uh, it's it's great to have people there to share the experience with. And uh, and thank the two of you, hey, man. for having me on this show. And also hey, at the end, now make sure I'm going to actually play a song, and it has nothing to do with this, but it's my friends the Fox Sisters. But I was thinking of something that would be Shakespearean. And there's a song by the Fox Sisters called "The Stars Oh, the Stars," and it's like the fault in our stars or anything. Or and I just like the song, and I want to play a song. At when the end, so when Ro- when Romeo shouts, "I defy you, stars!" Alexis's yep. favorite line, but not really. <laughs> Tie in. <laughs> I am fortune's fool. It's the only thing I can remember. Good, good line. Good line. So uh, don't let me go any further than that. I am the as Joe, Romeo's Julius the son. I've never actually. Read Unfortunately, I, so I got nothing. All right, the other line. No, it is true. I, I, I have li- a difficulty reading plays. The line I've heard they yeah. edited out. I drank what? Ah! Uh, uh, and on that, yeah, oh, thanks yeah. a lot, Mario. A plague on both your houses. Your heart is empty as a man.